Hey, Generation Church, it's so good to be with you today. We're continuing a series of teaching on the Holy Spirit. And I think this is something that we all need because we all need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. A lot of people are confused about the Holy Spirit and even kind of feel uncomfortable when the Holy Spirit comes up. I know some of you might have grown up in Christian backgrounds where you didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. So we're trying to clear up confusion around the Holy Spirit because we want you to know him and have a healthy relationship with him. Today, I want to answer this question. The question is, is he Pentecostal? I know this makes a lot of people nervous. A lot of people are groaning right now, like, oh, no, I liked this church. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to go there, but you don't need to be nervous. We ask this question, is he Pentecostal? And the answer is, it depends. It depends. What do you mean by Pentecostal? Because a lot of people have a cultural perception about what it means to be Pentecostal. And that's not necessarily what the Bible describes. So maybe you've heard of these different Pentecostal groups, and some of them, they don't let women wear makeup, or in other ones, the women wear too much makeup. Some of them, they don't let women cut hair. In other groups, women have big hair. Some of the groups don't go watch movies. Some of them have crazy church services. And so people look at that, and they go, well, Pentecostal, that's, that's weird. So if you mean that when you say Pentecostal, then the Holy Spirit is not that. But if you're talking about what the Bible describes in Acts chapter 2, that this was the beginning of the outpouring of God's Spirit, that we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and be filled by Him so that we can live for Jesus and lead people to Jesus, that God wants to give you power. If that's what you mean, then yes, the Holy Spirit is Pentecostal. But I want to encourage you just not, not to get caught up on dena denominational issues. And, and I've found over the years, because I have friends who are in different Christian denominational groups, I've found that they all have their strengths. They all have their strengths. Like the Baptists are known for being really committed to Bible teaching. And I love that. I love that. The Methodists, they're known for having good methods. The non-denominational Christians, they're good at keeping their options open, you know? Afraid of commitments. Pentecostals, man, they have great worship services, and a lot of the modern worship that we enjoy today started in the Pentecostal movement. They are great at sending out missionaries. I like to steal good ideas from all these groups. I'm an equal opportunity good idea stealer. And so I, I was like, hey, put your hands together. I want to be Baptocostal, like good Bible teaching and passionate worship. We can have it all. And the truth is, I identify as a follower of Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. And I don't really care about different denominational groups. I just want every good promise that God lays out in his word. And that is really the perspective that we should all have when it comes to examining the Bible and figuring out what God has for our lives. It's not about what do these different denominational groups think. It's this. Is it in the Bible? What does God say in the Bible? What's in God's word? So what is Pentecost? It's something that people are confused about. But I want to answer that question. What is Pentecost? In Acts chapter 2, it says this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. All of the Christians, the Christ followers, were together in a room. It says, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house 
where they were sitting. We'll come back to this scene, but this was happening on the day of Pentecost. These people, they were, they were from a Jewish background, and in Judaism, there were three major feasts. And many Jews had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Old Testament feast of Pentecost. So these three major Jewish feasts, they were Passover, which was a celebration of the angel of death passing over God's people in Egypt. There was Pentecost, which we're talking about right now. And there was Tabernacles, which was celebrating relationship with God. But Passover was celebrated, or rather Passover was celebrated, and then Pentecost was celebrated 50 days later. So the Jews, they had just celebrated Passover. We talk about that around the time of Christ's death. 50 days later, they celebrated Pentecost. Pentecost, it means 50th. That's what it means. Penta means five. Coste means to the 10th power. So it means 50th. There's Passover. And then 50 days later, there's the celebration of Pentecost. God actually set it up this way on purpose. Going back to Old Testament times, it says this in Leviticus 23. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later, then present an offering of grain to the Lord. So God set it up that they would count seven full weeks and then one more day, the day after, that takes them to the 50th day, and then they would celebrate Pentecost. Well, this is interesting because Passover could fall on any day of the week. God said, go to the next Saturday, the next Sabbath, count 49 days plus one day, that's Sunday. God wanted them to celebrate the day of Pentecost. What would be 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead? This wasn't by accident. God is good at math and he likes to set these things up on purpose and they oftentimes it means something. 50 days later, we, we see in scripture that 40 often signifies the beginning of a new era. It happened in the Old Testament that Noah was on the ark for 40 days, and then there was a new era. The Israelites, they wandered in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus fasted 40 days before he began his ministry. And we see after the resurrection, Jesus stayed on the earth for 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven. That was the new era. The church of Jesus Christ began. Then there was 10 more days. And 10 was often a number that represented testing. Like the 10 commandments. They were a test of righteousness. Daniel was tested for 10 days. The tithe is a tenth. It's a test of how we handle our finances. God wanted this feast celebrated 50 days from the day Jesus would rise. That's what happened, That's what happened at Pentecost. So here, here, here we're going to talk about it now. Okay, what happened at Pentecost? That's the next thing I want to talk about. Acts chapter 2, verse 5 says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the loud sounds we were just reading about, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Okay, so the crowd had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, heard this loud sound like a mighty rushing wind, and then they heard all these people praising God in different languages, and they were curious. They were bewildered, like, 
What's going on over there? They came together, and this is not an accident. This is actually really cool. It directly parallels what happened in Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel. You can read about this in more detail sometime. Go to Genesis chapter 11. Read about what happened at the Tower of Babel, where people, they were prideful, and they were going to literally build a tower and try to make their way to God. Talk, to about, talk about an immature perspective. Like, I'm going to build a really tall treehouse and make my way to God. And God looked at them and was like, I don't think so. And so he confused their language. Before that, they all spoke one language, but God confused their language. Now they all spoke different languages and they couldn't understand each other. That caused them to be divided and they spread out across the earth. Pentecost, on the other hand, all people gathered back together but they were doing it in submission to God. So this is cool. This is a reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel, where people were gathered in pride, trying to make their way to God in their own effort. On the day of Pentecost, they were gathered in submission and waiting in humility for God to come to them. This is really powerful. So Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel. Rather than all being confused and speaking in different languages and being divided, at the day of Pentecost, they were speaking in other languages, praise to God, and they were united by the Holy Spirit. And this, this looked a lot like heaven is going to look, where people from all different backgrounds and tribes and nations and tongues are going to be praising God in heaven, worshiping Jesus. Just highlights the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. It's not just for the rich or just the poor. It's not for just Americans, right? It's for everyone. Now, at the original Pentecost, the Jews celebrated that God gave the law to Moses. That's what they were celebrating at the Feast of Pentecost, that God gave the law to Moses. I think that's really cool because people oftentimes think about the law as this negative thing. You know, like the law is a negative thing, but the law actually wasn't negative. The law was a part of God's grace because the law set the standard of righteousness. And we needed that. We need to see God's standard of righteousness, which allows us as human beings to recognize our shortcomings and our need for a savior. It says that Jesus came and brings grace upon grace. The law was God's grace. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He brought grace upon grace. So on the original day of Pentecost, when the cloud was there at Mount Sinai, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He wrote his law on tablets of stone. Moses came down the mountain and saw that the Jewish people, they were there sinning. So God punished the people and 3,000 people died. Whereas on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we read about that the Holy Spirit descended at that upper room. There was a loud noise. There was fire again. And then God wrote his law on hearts of flesh. And this would lead to 3,000 people being saved. It's a complete reversal. It comes full circle. I know some people, it's like, my mind is being blown. I know the Bible is a good book, right? But what's so powerful about this is the Jews celebrated the Feast of Pentecost, the giving of the law, even though they could not keep the law. They couldn't keep it. The law was pretty straightforward, like don't murder, don't lie, don't commit adultery. But they were powerless to keep it. 
they would sin, they would make mistakes, they would worship idols, the same way that a lot of us, man, we want to do what Jesus says, but sometimes we feel powerless to obey his commands and live up to his standard. But what's so cool about the day of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit came to fulfill what we could not do in our own power. We cannot keep God's standard of righteousness in our own power, but the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live for Jesus. So Jesus gives us right standing, but the Holy Spirit empowers us for right living. I need you to understand this. This is why the Holy Spirit is so important for you today. You cannot live for Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it. But when God gave the Holy Spirit to his people, he empowered us to live righteously on this earth. God gave us the Holy Spirit. He wrote his law on our hearts and he empowered us to do what we could not do on our own. Now that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But it's not something that we just read about in the Bible it's something that we can experience even today. People might be asking themselves right now, you know, can I experience Pentecost? That's the question. Can I experience Pentecost? I'm going to tell you right up front. The answer is yes, you can. Let's talk more about what happened that day. In Acts chapter 2, it said, divided tongues of fire appeared to them. Divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so let me just say this really quick. Don't get weird and nervous about this word tongues. This just means languages. It just spoke in other languages. And so that's, that's not something that should make us all freak out and be all uncomfortable. The idea of speaking in other languages is not that weird. We live in Arizona. People speak lots of languages here. A lot of people are bilingual here. So that's not something we should be afraid of or nervous about. But notice that the Holy Spirit, he came and he descended and he filled that place up and said, divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So like above each person's head, there was like an individual portioned size tongue of fire. And I think this was supposed to represent that the Holy Spirit now was dwelling in and filling each and every one of them individually. This was for all of them. It was for each of them. It wasn't just for the 12 disciples who were really close to Jesus. And today it's not just for pastors or people who are really passionate about their relationship with God and do all these right things. No, this is for everyone. It's for all people. It's for all who follow Jesus Christ. This is so important for us to understand. We all need to experience this. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I think this is funny to think about, but, you know, all these little tongues of fire were on their heads. And, and I think, you know, probably you couldn't see your own. Like, it would move, you know, it would, it would move. And you, you could see everyone else's, but you couldn't see your own. And I, I, you had to just receive by faith that it was there. The same way that we have to receive by faith that we're saved by Jesus. You think today about how we receive Jesus by faith. And we know we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But you, know, you can't go to the doctor and get an x-ray and see Jesus in your heart. Like he's, he, physically, he's not there like drinking coffee. You can't wave, see him there. You have to receive him by faith. And the Holy Spirit, you receive by faith. You accept and receive him by faith. He's for everyone. He's for all Christians not just to, to be there in part, but to fill you up. They were filled 
with the Holy Spirit. So we're asking, can I, can I experience this? Because, you know, that was a long time ago, and I, I wasn't alive back then. But Jesus talked about that in Acts chapter 1, before he left the earth. He said this. He said, don't depart from Jerusalem. Like, these guys were ready to go. Jesus had risen from the grave. They saw he was alive. They were ready to go and tell everyone about him. But he said, don't go yet. Don't leave from, from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promise of the Father. Notice that word promise, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, so I want you to notice that. John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, I think this is so powerful. He told them to wait. And then we read about how they were gathered together in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, waiting for the Holy Spirit. I think about how right now today, a lot of us are gathered together in our homes and we're waiting to go back to normal. Just like the disciples, they were waiting to go tell people about Jesus. But he told them, don't go yet. Wait, like wait for it. There's, there's something you need before you go. You need power that the Holy Spirit is going to give you. This is God's promise. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit, which will empower you to go out into the world and tell people about me and go through what you're going to go through. You're only going to be able to do it with the Holy Spirit. So think about us today. We're in our homes. We're locked down. We're waiting to go back to normal. But I can't help but wonder, what if God doesn't want your new normal to look like your old normal? What if he has you right now in this season of waiting and before you go back to work, back to school, back to having fun, right? What if God wants to give you the promise? What if he wants to fill you up with the power of the Holy Spirit so that when you go back, you'll be ready to do what he's called you to do? I know God doesn't want some of you going back to work the way that you left. We've got too many timid Christians, too many Christians that are afraid to tell people about Jesus, too many Christians that struggle to do what was right. Maybe God has us in this season of waiting and he wants to give us something before we go. What, maybe he wants to give us the power that we need through the Holy Spirit. The early disciples, they needed it. How much more do we need it today? So that's what happened. God gave the disciples power. The Holy Spirit came and filled them up and it changed them dramatically. Like Peter, the disciple that we all love, like, man, Peter was great, right? He was passionate. He got into trouble. He was feisty. Definitely my favorite disciple. Like when I'm, I'm collecting disciple trading cards, I always want to, I always want to be Peter, you know, I relate to him, but he wasn't able to live for Jesus in his own strength. When Jesus was arrested, Peter denied even knowing him to like a little girl. She's like, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And he's like, no, you, you are. I don't even know Jesus. So he was like nervous and hid. But then when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it transformed him completely. I know some Christians might be watching this service today and need to be transformed. When Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached passionately to this whole crowd. He wasn't afraid any longer and 3,000 people were saved. 
I'll tell you what, I have met some Christians that before they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were nervous, they were bashful, they struggled to do what was right, but then they were transformed. And I think God wants that for all of us. He wants us to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. What happened on the day of Pentecost was that these new people that were there, they were gathered around and they were asking Peter, like, how do we get what you've got? Because you're fired up and there's something different about you. How do we get that? And in Acts chapter two, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he is the gift for the promise. Remember Jesus talked about the promise? He told them to wait for the promise. Peter says this in scripture, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So let me ask you this. Is this for you? Well, I'll ask you this. Has God called you? If you're a Christian, God has called you. And and yes, we are those people who are far off, we're not, you know, their children or their children, but we're their children's children's grandchildren's children. Like we're, we're far off, but yet because we're called to God as Christians, we have the promise in scripture that the Holy Spirit is for us. He is for us. Can I experience Pentecost? Yes, you can. If you're a child of God, you've been called by him and this promise is for you. Some people think this was like a one-time thing. Now, that was just for Acts chapter 2. That's not true. It happened multiple times throughout Scripture. It happened in Acts chapter 2 and in chapter 4, chapter 8, 9, 10, 13, and 19. That people were filled with the Holy Spirit. People ask, you know, what well, happened 2,000 years ago? I don't know. Has it been too long? Has the offer expired? Or can I still experience this today? Man, it's just like receiving Jesus. When he defeated death and rose from the grave, even though that also happened 2,000 years ago, we can receive him today by faith because that promise and that uh, that is a gift that's available for us. In the same way, the Holy Spirit, this began in Acts chapter 2, but those of us who receive him by faith, man, we can experience this today in our own lives. Through Jesus, we see that we experience the fulfillment of the three major Old Testament feasts. Through Jesus, we experience the fulfillment of the three major Old Testament feasts. Those Old Testament feasts, they represented our salvation. And through Jesus, we experience this to come reality in our lives. So, So through Jesus, we experience the Passover. We receive freedom from sin and from death. And we no longer have to suffer the penalty that we deserve from sin. Through Jesus, we experience the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacles was all about how God was going to now have relationship with people. Man, through Jesus, we know that that happens. And and it's going to happen even in more fullness when Jesus returns someday. We're going to then dwell with God forever. If we could experience the fulfillment of those two feasts, why couldn't we also today experience the fulfillment of the feast of Pentecost? We can. I know we weren't alive back then, but man, I wasn't alive when Jesus died and rose again either. We can experience this today too. Just like, man, these early believers, they believed in Jesus. In Acts chapter 19, Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they, they said, 
well, we haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. And I think today there's a lot of Christians in the same boat. You know, they're, they're followers of Jesus, but they haven't, they haven't even heard that much about the Holy Spirit. I got some emails from some of you this week, and you told me, man, growing up, I never heard that much about the Holy Spirit. It just wasn't talked about. And I want to see that remedied for you today. I want you to experience everything that God has for you. It doesn't matter how you were brought up. It matters what's in the Bible. What does scripture say? It says this promise is for you, all who are called to God himself. And I get how a lot of people, man, the Holy Spirit makes you nervous and you can be hesitant about it because maybe you saw something that was weird. I get that. I can relate to that. I experienced some of that in my own life. Like I, I had this mindset like, okay, I'll, I'll accept the Holy Spirit, but only if he behaves himself. There are some things, you know, I don't really want to deal with. So I'll have a relationship with him as long as it's on my terms. <laughs> and this is not how God works, is it? God doesn't give us any good thing on our terms. We only receive the good things from God when we submit to him and accept them on his terms. Amen. We've got to give up to our right to have it done our way. We've got to be willing to surrender our will to God and accept what he has for us. Because guess what? God's gifts are good and perfect. I know there are a lot of Christians who get confused about this. You're like, Ryan, what are you talking about? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I already have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. And the truth is, you do. All Christians have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. All Christians do. If you've accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit is living in you. But the thing is, just because he's living in you, it doesn't mean that you have yet fully received him. Let me compare it to this. Like, you know how some people, they'll pray a prayer to accept Jesus and they'll like raise their hand at church and they'll ask Jesus to come into their lives and save them. But then maybe they struggle to fully receive him. Like you'll go on, you'll continue to, to sin and maybe do some things. And then later in life, you'll be like, okay, okay, for real this time, Jesus, I'm ready to fully receive you. In the same way with the Holy Spirit, you can have him living inside of you and not fully receive him. Like you could have your mother-in-law living in your house. It doesn't mean you fully receive her. You have to sometimes pray and say, Holy Spirit, I know that you've been with me this whole time, but honestly, I, I might have had a bad attitude about you in some ways. I might have been prejudiced against you in some ways. And if that's you, you just need to repent of that and make it right. And just say, God, I want everything that you have for me. I need the Holy Spirit. Receiving good gifts from God, it comes with submission, with humility, opening yourself up to what God has for you and just saying, God, give me every good gift that you have for me. It starts when we accept Jesus to save us. We accept him to come into our lives, to forgive our sins, to change us. You can't experience the Holy Spirit until you first receive Jesus. And then once you receive Jesus, man, you gotta open your heart up to God and say, Lord, I want all of your good gifts for me. I want your power. I want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe even apologize if you've had bad thoughts about the Holy Spirit or been afraid of him. The good thing is if you make it right, God, he wants you to have this relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you up. It just starts today by accepting whatever God has for you. By just saying, God, I want whatever you have for me. I need your spirit. I want you to fill me up and empower me to live for Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you today. 
And if you're ready to just experience whatever God has for you and receive the Holy Spirit, just open your heart and pray with me. God, we thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can experience Pentecost in our own lives, even today. We know that you did not abandon us as orphans. Jesus, when you left this earth, you sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and fill us up so that we could be empowered to live righteously for you on this earth and boldly tell people about you. So God, right now today, I ask that your spirit would fill each and every one of us up, that we would experience Pentecost again in our own lives, in our own homes. God, we are waiting. We're waiting for this next season, but we know before we go, you are ready to fill us up again with your spirit and empower us to live for you. We know that what you have before us is even better than what was behind us. You're going to use us in this next season to tell people about Jesus, and you want to transform lives through each and every one of us, but God, we know that we need your power in order to see transformation. I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us up in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and I'm excited for you as you grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit.